listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit more about DeMar Hamlin. We are going to talk a little bit more about the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit about college football. I have a few thoughts left over from the TCU-Michigan game and the Ohio State-Georgia game. And then maybe look ahead to the national championship on Monday with Georgia, excuse me, yeah, Georgia and um, TCU. And like I said, I've got some more statistics in the NFL playoffs that are just so bonkers. Anyway, we will get to those momentarily. We start by talking a little bit more about DeMar Hamlin. Yesterday, when I came on here and you listened to yesterday's podcast, I told you that the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive, his charity that uh, he had started for the town he grew up in, in Pennsylvania, People got a hold of it, started tweeting it out, retweeting all this stuff. Last night we were recording, it was at, you know, what, 2.5 million, then it got up to 2.6 by the time I was done recording. You see what it's at now? 5.9 million. And that's when I'm recording. By the time you listen to this and you wake up, it's going to be at 6 million, well over 6 million. And. It's pretty amazing uh, what people have done. It's not just Buffalo Bills fans. Obviously, I'm guessing most of them are Bills fans that wanted to donate, but considering how much this link has been passed around, uh, it's incredible. This is coming from everywhere. Hell, wrestler Chris Jericho donated 10000 and GoFundMe only allows you 5000 max, apparently. I didn't know this. So Chris Jericho, the wrestler, Donated 5000 and spelled his name C-H-R-U-S so he could go in again and do another 5000 under C-H-R-I-S. So, yeah, I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing um, charity that um, they wrote on here that the, the, the fundraiser was initially established to sport a toy drive for DeMar's community. However, um, obviously, because of his recent battle, um, this is going to um, help out. It's not even just a toy drive. Now it does kind of kids' days and stuff like that in his hometown. And just what I would say is this. Just be careful because there are scammers out there, and some people have been scammed by this. Not by that link that I posted because that is the legit link. All you have to do is when you click on that GoFundMe page, just make sure that that is the correct GoFundMe page. And if anybody's sending you something asking you to donate, then don't do it because that wouldn't be from them. So just be careful when you do that. If you haven't heard yesterday, the update, he seems to be sedated. And this was a not a heart condition that he had. This was actually, from what all the doctors have said, just a completely freak accident. I don't know the medical stuff, but in layman's terms, basically, when your heart is beating just at a regular heartbeat, there is a, what did they say, a a, a percentage of one-fifth of your heartbeat. If you happen to take a strike to your chest at the wrong time, it's almost like a light switch switching off your heart is a light switch someone just turns his heart off because he got hit at the exact time that you can't get hit during the rhythmic beating of your heart 
and he had to be revived. Um, his heart had completely um, stopped. And it wasn't because he has a heart condition, um, which is where some of the other stories in the past have come. These, these people that have found out they had heart attacks in sports. He didn't have a heart attack. He went into cardiac arrest because his heart shut off because of that hit. So um, I'm not going to play a doctor, but that's basically what it, what is it? Uh, Komodo cortis is the phrase. Um, but just an unbelievable story. Uh, you know, obviously he's not out of the woods yet, but it's looking better. Uh, the NFL decided that the Bills Bengals game is definitely not being made up this week. And they said nothing has been made and any, no changes have been made to the week 18 schedule. So if you ask me, it looks like this game is just going to be a no game. And, the Bills and the Bengals are going to have a 16-game season. They're just going to play their games on Sunday, and then that's the end of the season. And anything that plays out, plays out, and it's done off winning percentage for them and not necessarily because they will have played one less game than everybody else. So looks like that's how it's going to be because if they're not playing it this week, I don't see how you play it next week because they're playing Sunday. So if they came back and played it on Thursday – Playoffs start next Saturday. What would you do? And both of them, they're in the playoffs, no matter what happened in this game. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But uh, like I said yesterday, the scheduling is a snafu, and it, and it just looks like this is going to be a no game, and those two teams are going to play a 16-game season. I didn't even know, because it happened in 1970, five years before I was born. I had no idea that there was a football player who actually died on the field after a hit. So... If you read that story, um, but this was also in the 70s, clearly, clearly not the medical personnel that are at each game. Did you know that there are 39 medical personnel at every single NFL game? So if something like this is going to happen, it's almost better that it happens at a game like this. Because if DeMar Hamlin was walking down the street and he was just a civilian and somehow this happened to him, gets a a blunt hit to the chest, and this exactly happened, would have died. There's just no way. But the fact that the NFL, and I didn't know this until yesterday. I knew they had a lot. I knew they had a ton of people on standby at every game, but it's the number's 39, according to Peter King. 39 people at every single game that are there, from you know EMTs to neurologists to orthopedic surgeons. It just everything and then obviously people that can deal with this and you know hats off to them because they saved the guy's life because if they're not there he's not here anymore I wanted to talk a little bit about college football there was a couple things left over from TCU in Michigan and you know I I don't want to sit here and and um, jump up and down on Michigan's grave but Michigan not only did you lose that game in an ugly fashion, not only did you throw two pick sixes, not only did you get inside the five-yard line twice and come away with no points, you're also probably going to lose your head coach. I think Harbaugh's gone. I think he wants to go back to the NFL. There's already talks. He's met with the Panthers. Probably a good chance he at least talks to the Denver Broncos. And by all reports out there from the best writers in the NFL, they say if he gets an offer, he's going back to the NFL. Which makes sense, you know. I mean, look, Michigan, 
I know you liked him, and I know what he did for you the last two years, but he also lost his last six bowl games. He was one in six in bowls as the Michigan head coach, so it's not like he took you to the promised land because he didn't. Um, he's a good coach, and he's won everywhere he's gone. He won at USD. He won at Stanford. Went to the pros, coached the Niners, took them to the Super Bowl when he coached against his brother, and then, you know, went back to Michigan and has won there. But I, he's gone, and, you know, it's probably time. Seven years is a, is a good run at your alma mater, and he just, outside of winning the national championship, he did what exactly what he set out to do at Michigan. Said he wanted to win Big Ten championships. Said he wanted to go to the college football playoffs. Said he wanted to win a national championship. And he, and he said he wanted to beat Ohio State. Beat Ohio State his last two years. Won the Big Ten championship the last two years, but just couldn't win that national championship. And I think he leaves the program way better off than when he took it over. So that's a positive for you. You know, I didn't even talk about this when it came to the Cotton Bowl, USC, and Tulane. And... Look, everybody knows that Lincoln Riley, who left Oklahoma last year to take over at USC and brought in a ton from the transfer portal, even got the Heisman Trophy winner, brought him in from from Oklahoma in Caleb Williams. He's an offensive genius. His teams rank in the top five or ten in offense every single year since he's been a head coach in college football. But, man, I don't know. He's never going to change his philosophy but Lincoln Riley has got a major problem because he just doesn't care about defense. He does not care to have any sort of accountability for his defenses. And here's a statistic. Here's a statistic. Lincoln Riley has six losses as a head coach since he became a head coach in 2017. He has six losses where he had a 14-point lead at some point during the game. That's the most of any head coach in college football. And it happened again against Tulane. We're not talking about a college football powerhouse. The USC Trojans had a two-touchdown lead against Tulane and lost. Caleb Williams threw for almost 500 yards. He threw five touchdowns. The Trojans were 11 for 15 on third down. They were 2 for 2 on fourth down, and they lost to Tulane. And look, Tulane's the greatest story, I guess, technically, in college football history because it was the biggest turnaround we've ever seen. They won two games last year, and they won 12 games this year. No team has ever won 10 more games from one year to the next. So all hats off to Tulane and the job that Willie Fritz has done there. But come on. They play 10 times, USC's beating them nine. Well, I don't know about with that defense, but they did whatever they wanted offensively. They just had a horrible blunder at the end of the game, and Tulane took advantage of it. Um, two, one, the guy fielded the kickoff and stepped out of bounds at the one, and then the safety, and then they let uh, them score a touchdown. But but this has been Lincoln Riley's thing ever since he's been a head coach. Great offenses and just... Nothing on defense. Ask any Oklahoma Sooner fan what they thought of Lincoln Riley and his defensive schemes and how many times they – I mean, he went to the college football playoff, I believe, four times as Oklahoma head coach. It might have been three. And every single time there, they get blitzed because he gives up 
This defense gives up so many points. They can't stop anybody. And it's going to be more of the same unless he makes some serious changes. But, my gosh, I cannot believe how bad that SC defense was. But, you know, for the last five years watching Oklahoma football, I'd be like, man, great offensively, Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner, and then he had Jalen Hurts, who was almost a Heisman Trophy winner, and he you know, had all these great offensive weapons, but zero attention to detail when it comes to defense, and that is killing his teams. As for uh, TCU-Georgia, we'll talk about it more probably on Monday, but my early thoughts are I think 13.5 points is way too much. Uh, TCU, to me, comes across as a team of destiny. I just don't see them getting this far and getting routed by Georgia. And TCU has the speed to keep up with them. I, You know, Georgia fans are like, no way we're going to lose to TCU. SEC this and SEC that. Look, you probably didn't think that Ohio State was going to give you a game. And if you're honest, you know you should have lost that game. You could not stop anybody on defense. And while Ohio State's offense is much better than TCU's, TCU's is known for their offense. And they can put some mismatches out there. And your secondary is your biggest weakness. And they've got some guys that can fly down the field. So right now, as a betting person, I'm probably taking TCU in the points. Do I think they can win? I mean, sure. It's a one game. Uh, it, it's, it's a, this isn't best two out of three. This isn't the NBA Finals. Best four out of seven, because if that's the case, Georgia's your champion. They would beat them if they played them seven times. They would beat them four times first before TCU got to four wins. But it's one game. That's all it takes. What if we come out and Georgia fumbles on their first possession and TCU runs it back for a touchdown? Or a pick six or something like that. Like You just can't predict any of that stuff. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if someone's going to get tight and field goals that are normally made are going to be made. You just don't know. So we'll get into it more, but as of right now, I think 13.5 points is way too much. I, I don't think TCU's getting blown out of this game. Every game this year they were told they were going to lose. It was Texas, and then it was Texas Tech, and then it was Baylor, and now this, and here they are. Uh, no way you're going to beat Michigan. They beat Michigan. So, yeah, could they lose and get blown out? Yeah, I just don't think they're going to. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game, and as long as it's close, clearly they would have a chance to win if they keep it close. Let's talk a little NFL here uh, before we wrap things up. We talked yesterday about seedings in the playoffs. As I said, only two number one seeds in the NFC had ever won a Super Bowl since the year 2000. That's amazing to me. Five in the AFC, but four of them were the Patriots. So the other thing is number one seeds overall. You know, I can't remember what Super Bowl we're on. 53, 52, where, where are we at? We're, we're right around there. 52, 53. This Super Bowl this year is on, what is it, February 12th? February 12th at, um, at um, in Arizona, in Glendale, Arizona, where the Cardinals play. I think, well, I know that number one seeds – in NFL playoffs. And just remember, for the before the last two years happened, only six teams made the playoffs in the NFL on each side. Six in the NFC, six in the AFC. Now it's seven. Number one seeds get a bye 
in in the first round. So, which means if you're a number one seed, you get a bye in the first round, you get a home game, and then obviously if you win, you get a home game, and then you're in the Super Bowl. You have to win two home games. That's it, to get to the Super Bowl. So it seems like it's fairly easy for a number one seed to get to a Super Bowl, but yet in the 53 Super Bowls that have been completed, the one seeds have only win the Super Bowl champion 54% of the time. It's like 28, 24, something like that. 28 Super Bowl champions were the number one seed, 24 weren't, something like that. But 54% of the time, the number one seed has won the Super Bowl. So it's like, again, throw out the records when you get to the playoffs. It does not matter. It doesn't really matter where you're seated. It certainly helps. But to say that, oh, my God, they could never go on the road and beat them and they're never going to lose a home game in the playoffs, it's just it's not statistically it's been proven out that it's not a huge advantage to be on your home field in the playoffs while it is over 50 percent it's not like it's 95 percent you're going to win and to see that only 54 percent of number one seeds have ever won the super bowl that goes to show you that yeah you can win it as a two a three or four or five or six or now going down to a seven seed you know what's amazing and this is just a stat that has nothing to do with anything in 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 regards to this upcoming playoff season but if you're a giant fan i'm sure you love the fact that eli manning won you two super bowls but do you know that eli manning never won a playoff game outside of the two super bowl runs in both super bowl runs for the giants he went four and oh they didn't have a bye. In one of the runs, it was home game and then two road games and then the neutral site for the Super Bowl and then one Super Bowl run. It was all four, all the three games before the Super Bowl were road games. Eli Manning, 8-0 and in the two seasons the Giants won the Super Bowl. He never won a playoff game outside of that. <laughs> it's pretty amazing because then you're like, okay, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Well, you would think that anybody that quarterbacked two Super Bowl winning teams is a shoo-in. Plus, he's got the Manning last name. Will he be a, a Hall of Famer? Yes, because of the Manning name and because he can claim he's got two Super Bowls, which is not a lot of quarterbacks in the history of the NFL can claim. However, if you look deeper into his numbers, I mean, the guy never won a playoff game outside of the two Super Bowl runs. That's, man, it's pretty, it's, it's weird that that happened to him. But, you know, towards the end of his career, he was getting booed off the field in New York. So I just think he will eventually become a Hall of Famer for sure because of his name. But it is a weird, weird asterisk to have on your career record to just have. the. It's like those two great seasons, those two great ones were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I'm Manning. Unbelievable. And he was unbelievable in those two runs where they won the Super Bowl. It's not like he got lucky, but he didn't do shit outside of that. And one final thing I want to touch on for this weekend's games being Week 18 in the NFL. Someone emailed this to me, and I thought it was a good point, but I did wanted to dispute it and say why I think I don't believe it's going to happen. They were shocked that the Green Bay-Detroit game was flexed to Sunday night because it's not necessarily a win and in if Seattle beats the Rams earlier in the day because then Detroit can't get in. It would be 
a game where Detroit can't get into the playoffs and Green Bay can if they win. But, and they said, why would they do that? There are better games. And I said, well, first off, the only other win and end game this weekend is Tennessee-Jacksonville, and that is Sunday, uh, Saturday night. And they wouldn't put that on Sunday night because it's just not a big enough markets where that would be your featured game of the weekend. Green Bay at home with a chance to secure a playoff bid, Aaron Rodgers, all that stuff. That's a done deal. They're going to put that game on Sunday night. Now, like I said, if Seattle wins, then Detroit goes into that Sunday night game knowing they can't make the playoffs. However, Lions fans, you know, you guys have sucked forever. And now here you are starting the season 1-6, and six, and now you're 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't think there's any way Detroit rests their players on Sunday night regardless. Well, not regardless, but if Seattle wins and Detroit knows they can't make the playoffs, they're not going to sit their starters because they're 8-8. Eight and eight. They want to finish above 500, feel good heading into next year. Not to mention they have the opportunity to knock a division rival out of the playoffs. You don't think the Detroit Lions would love to play spoiler and knock the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs? Hell, yes, they would. I don't think there's any chance that Detroit sits their players if they, even if they can't make the playoffs going into that Sunday night game. And we'll know because it it's all determined on that Seattle game. Now, if Seattle loses, then the Green Bay-Detroit winner is your seventh seed in the NFC, so that'll make it even bigger. But should Seattle beat the Rams at home? Yeah, probably, but weirder things have happened. Um, but I just don't think that Detroit is sitting their players at all. Expect them to play, play hard, and want to win. They want to finish 9-8. and eight. That'd be a great, great thing to put on their resume heading into next year. Build a confidence for a team that was terrible for the first seven games of this year. And then... Look at what they did to end the year. One and six to start, and they'd be going eight and two to end the season. I mean, that would be huge for them. And you finish above 500. And that just doesn't happen to Detroit Lion football, as Lion fans, I'm sure you know. So thank you very much uh, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcast. Uh, I would really appreciate it since we're just getting this podcast underway. This is only show three. We want to build it uh, as big as we can. Tell everybody about it your husbands, your boyfriends, your female friends that are that are sports fans. And um, we're going to keep this thing going until, well, who knows when. We'll just keep it going. Um, really enjoying doing this and just kind of getting it all out there and be able to talk sports with you every day. So thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.